Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Love it. Good morning. How's everyone today? Happy Father's Day to the dads in the room. So glad that you are here. Uh, I want you to know, uh, just I'm going to be straight with you right up front. Are we good with that? We're like family here, so we can talk like we're just talking. So I've been preaching for uh, four and a half years. I've been the pastor here at the chapel for one year, and I've purposely never preached on Father's Day. Um, it's actually a difficult day for me. I did not grow up with a father, so I always felt inadequate to re- really preach and talk about Father's Day. Uh, but God, as he is sovereign and he decides what goes, uh, decided I'm going to preach today, so I'm going to do my best. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be looking at God's word and trying to celebrate all that fathers are. Because I did not grow up with a father, I'm keenly aware of the beauty that fathers bring into life. Every time I see a father doing something that's wonderful, I, I just, I love it. I love it. And I just want to today uh, really celebrate, encourage, appreciate, affirm uh, fathers for all that they do. Uh, because scripture even tells us that that is what we're supposed to do. Uh, as you know, in, uh, when Moses was given the law in Exodus 20, it's declared that God gave Moses 10 commandments for his people to follow. Many other laws, but these 10 commandments, uh, and one of them says that we are to honor our fathers and our mothers. It's Exodus 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It is a command from God that we honor both our father and our mother. And the word honor in Hebrew is kabed. It's a word that represents to glorify, to promote, to make heavy, to give weight. And so we're told uh, to honor our fathers and our mothers because it honors God. It pleases God. And, and they deserve it, even though we might say, well, you don't know my dad. Uh, but they do deserve it because you would not exist if it were not for your dad. And just by that very nature that you, were, you came into being through your father, that alone is reason to honor our fathers. And you notice when you read the Ten Commandments, you'll see that uh, the first commandments, the first four commandments, are about God. We're told that we are not to have any other gods but God, that we are not to create idols that, to worship other than God. We are not to use his name in vain, that we are to uh, honor the Sabbath, a day of rest that God created. Then we're told, honor your father and your mother. All the commandments after that have to do with relationships that we have with one another, which says to me, that it's God, our parents, and then others. And so, obviously, it is important to God that we honor fathers, and it's good for us. Amen. Proverbs twenty twenty says this, If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Yeesh. Now, we know that when we don't honor our father or our mother, something in us essentially dies. And God knows that too. 
And so this passage is just a great reminder of how important it is that we honor both our father and our mother. Now, we're all in for honoring our mothers. I mean, come on. If you were here on Mother's Day, man, we go big here at Mariner's Church. And it's such a big thing that there's no room for anybody. The, the worship center fills up and the chapel fills up and there's flowers and there's all kinds of pretty pink things. And, you know, the, the flower industry does very well on Mother's Day. Some $2.4 billion spent on flowers on Mother's Day. Restaurants are packed. If you don't make a reservation two months in advance, good luck. You're going to have to cook for mom, and it better be good. And then comes Father's Day. Amen. You notice all the empty seats? <laughs> Father's Day lags behind Mother's Day in just about every category. We don't spend much on dads. We definitely don't give them flowers, so the flower shops are taking, this is their holiday, Restaurants, piece of cake, you can get in, and there's plenty of room at church. But you know, God didn't say, honor your mother and honor your father less. God said, honor your father and your mother, both. And so today, we're going to, we're going to do that because fathers matter. Fathers are essential for our well-being, no matter how strong and amazing and powerful and mighty and wise your mother is. A mother cannot fill the shoes of a father. A a mother cannot give to a child what only a father can give. You know, I'm not a big fan of creating distinctions like mom is nurturing and dad is adventurous. I think both moms and dads can do all of that. But there's a great ministry through which God works through particularly the father and particularly the mother. And we need both. Fathers are very essential to our well-being. Science research, social science research says, speaks volumes about the importance of fatherhood. I'll just give you a couple. Children and adolescents with more involved fathers tend to exhibit lower levels of behavioral, psychological, and relational problems. They have more confidence. Father's engagement is linked to children's higher academic performance to do better in school. Close father and child bonds help to protect children against peer pressure, maybe even drug abuse, and it helps delay sexual activity. Fathers are essential to the well-being of their children. And we know that poor fathering can do a great deal of damage. We see that the sad reality that 24 million children just in the America, in U.S., are raised in a home where their biological father is not present. And growing up without a father or with a father who is selfish, distant, treated you poorly, rejected you, or even abused you, hurts. It does a great deal of damage. It makes children vulnerable. It destroys their emotional backbone. It increases the chances of poverty, we're told by scientists, early sexual activity, depression, anxiety, and divorce. Fathers are very, very important. And God, that is why God commands us to honor them, to celebrate them, to encourage them, to affirm them. And we want to make sure we don't make a a mistake that is very easy to make when it comes to Father's Day or even fathers altogether. Because Scripture mentions God as a father, this is the kind of thing we tend to do. Let's say this is God and this is dad. 
We tend to measure dad by the standards of God. So we impose on dad all the perfection, all the goodness, all the wholeness of God, and we expect dads to live up to that. Now, how good do you think any dad is ever going to do with that standard? Not so good. It's really challenging for, for us to have an expectation that our fathers need to be all that God is. It's impossible. We can't do it as mothers. Why would we expect fathers? But then we do the opposite. We measure God by our dad. We limit God by how we understand our fathers. We might believe that God has the same attributes that our father has, and therefore God isn't all that he is in our eyes because we see him simply through the lens of our father. Either technique is not right. The reality is, and what I want us to do today, is I want us to look at God for all that he is. Fully understanding him, knowing him, embracing all that God is. And then I want us to embrace fathers for who they are. I honestly believe the more we know our heavenly father, the better we can honor our earthly fathers. No matter whether they were great fathers or not so good fathers, whether they were present or absent, kind or unkind, if we know God, we know how to honor our fathers. And that's what I want us to do today. Jesus wanted us to know the Heavenly Father. In fact, that's what he tells us he came to do. In John 1, listen to what it says. John 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, the Jews had all kinds of names for God. Only 15 times in the Old Testament will you see God referred to as a father. In fact, there's all sorts of names. Uh, you probably heard some of these. Jehovah Jireh, the, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is our shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, a lot of people know that one. The Lord is our healer. Lots of names for God. But Father, not so much. Until you get to the New Testament, the Gospels, Jesus enters the scene and he begins to refer to God as Father. In Mark, Matthew, and Luke, known as the Synoptic Gospels, we see Jesus referring to God as Father 65 or so times. In the Gospel, according to John, over 100 times. Jesus breaks the scene, calling God the Father, and listen, that ruffled feathers. For the Jews at the time, that was a, such an unusual way to refer to God. Now, we get hung up on the, the fact that Jesus called the Heavenly Father, Father. I see some people who say, well, God is my mother, or God is my father. Listen, God is not limited by gender distinctions. Yes, we see in Scripture, we talked about this on Mother's Day, many times God referred to him and compared himself to a mother. But here we're seeing how Jesus chooses to name the Father. He names him Father. He call, calls upon God as the Father. Why? Because that demonstrates for you and for me 
the relationship between God and his children. It isn't a distant God that's far away. It's a God that is close. It's not a relationship out of um, laws and rules, but a relationship based on love. And so by referring to God as the Father, we get an immediate picture of this intimate relationship that we are to have with our Creator. Jesus used two words, an Aramaic word called Abba, which we translate as Daddy, and a Greek word, Pater, which we translate as Father. And that intimate term is one way which Jesus immediately makes the Father known to us. In John 17, Jesus says this, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known. Would you read this part with me? In order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Jesus refers to the Father as righteous, meaning good, whole, complete. And we see this also in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Jesus was questioned by someone. Someone called him a good teacher, and Jesus' response was this. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. It is Jesus. You know, we just sang that song, You're a Good, Good Father. Well, I think Jesus wrote the title of that song. It is Jesus who said, it's the Father and he's good. The Father is good and righteous. Now, we use the word good all the time, right? We, we use it to refer to good brownies, good weather, good jobs, good outfits, you name it. Good is like so generic for us. But when we look at this statement that Jesus is making, Jesus himself, who did never sin, who we would say was good, he says, oh, no, if you think I'm good, no, there's one even greater. God is good. And so often in the circumstances in our life, we lose sight of that. and We begin to think that God is not good, that he doesn't have our best interests in mind. Jesus also wants us to know that God is loving Psalm 57 says about God, it says, For great is your love, reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. We've sung that song in the past too. I love that the psalmist declares the greatness of the love of God as it were this massive thing, this big mass between here and the heavens, thousands and thousands of miles away. That's how big the love of God is for each and every one of us. God is loving. His love is beyond boundaries, beyond our imagination. And that love he poured onto his son, Jesus Christ, and he poured that love onto us. In John 3, it says, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Jesus came to demonstrate for us in a practical way God's love for us. We see that God's love is approachable. We see that in 1 John 3, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. The moment, like Brian, the moment we are changed 
from our old self to our new self in Christ. The moment we say yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that very moment, like a bolt of lightning, like Brian felt, we become children of God. Our past, as we talked earlier, Jesus does no longer hold against us. His love for us so powerful that he embraces us as his very children. He embraces us as his very son. And his love is profound. It's life-changing. It's life-transforming. It is eternal. You see in John chapter 3, famous passages that we, we hear, we know, but think about these words once again today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his most precious, precious possession. Now listen, dad, you know, if you have children, imagine giving your son or daughter to sacrifice on behalf of others. God gave it all for you and for me, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And God did not send him to condemn. No, he sent him to save the world. That's the extent of God's love, a love that comes to save. And that love is permanent. It's not here today and gone tomorrow. It's not limited in any shape or form. We limit sometimes God's love for us based on what we experience with our fathers. But God's love for us would never leave us. It's faithful to the end. In John 10, Jesus says this. He says, I gave them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then Paul repeats such similar words. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything in else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God's love is permanent. When he calls us his children, he calls us his children for good, for eternity. And he pours that love on us again and again. And we have a good father that loves us and he gives us good gifts. Oh, so often the enemy wants to lie to us and say, God, God's holding back on you. He's not giving you what you need. He's not giving you what you want. But God gives good gifts. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 9 through 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And we can understand that. We love to give gifts to our children. And if we can give good gifts, our Heavenly Father can do even more so. God wants to give good gifts to his children. James tells us that every good thing that we receive comes from God. He says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. God gives good gifts, and he knows what you need. He already knows. 
We might pray for it. It's okay to ask for it. But he already knows your needs. In Luke, Jesus says, don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God gives us all that we need. If you don't have it, as we talked last week, you don't need it. God's not going to give you what you don't need. He knows your needs, and he gives us beyond what we would ever ask or imagine. Listen, he tells us he gives us his kingdom. He gives us all that he is. Isn't it amazing that God is so good to us, that he gives us all that we need? And if you're, if you're here, you're thinking, oh, but you have no idea what my need is, and it hasn't been met, and I don't think God's going to come through. I don't think God's good. I don't think God's loving. I don't think he, he understands, so he's willing to give me good gifts. If that's where you're at today, let me just remind you of some important truths. God has the ability and the power to give you what you need when you need it. If he can keep Noah safe from the flood and feed Elijah with the ravens, put a meal in the barrel and oil in the curse and a life to the boy of the widow, keep the three Hebrew boys alive in the midst of a fire. Secure Daniel in the lion's den. Feed Israel manna for a long time in the wilderness. Slay Goliath for a young boy, David. Take care of those disciples in a storm. Part the Red Sea for Moses and all of the Israelites. Rise Lazarus from the dead. Walk on water. Feed 5,000 and countless other miracles that we can't even have time to mention. If God can do those things... He can give you what you need. It's not a matter of God being limited. It's God knows best. He asks us. He encourages us to ask him. One of the favorite things I love to hear is when I'm at Target or at Toys R Us, and you hear a little kid, Daddy, Daddy, come look at this. Come look at this. Daddy, Daddy, can I have this? And that's how God wants us to come to him. Abba, Daddy, I need, I want even. Let him decide whether it's right or wrong. But God wants you to ask. In fact, in Matthew, Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. You ask. In God's perfect timing, in his perfect being, in his love that never, ever leaves you, in his wisdom, in his desire to give you good gifts, God will answer your prayer. And it will happen his way, maybe not your way, but ask. You see, Father's Day is a great day for us to be reminded of who God is, all that God is all that he brings to us. Because when we understand God, it's much easier for us to honor our fathers. Because listen, I know, I know that not all fathers are perfect. I know that they fall short, but that's the point. They're not God. When we have these expectations of our dad, 
It's almost cruel when you think about it. Maybe when we recognize who God is, we can give our dads a break and go, okay, dad, you had some things wrong, but you're human. You're not God. You cannot be all those things. I think of my own experience with my father. He left before I was a year old. I met him a couple of times when I was around nine or 10. And then I didn't see him again. Some 20-some years later, I got a phone call from him, and he said, I happen to be in town. I want to meet my grandchildren. Yeah, yeah, right. You all react the same way I did. Now, I want you to know I'm a fallen woman. I had all kinds of very dark thoughts. And I didn't say anything, though. But in my mind, I'm thinking, no way. You cannot, like, skip me in this picture. I'm your daughter. you got to see me first before you see my grandchildren. How dare you kind of, like, call me out of blue and say you want to see... I like having all sorts of mental gyrations, but all I could say was, I'll think about it. And I hung up. And I didn't hear from him again. A few years later, I become a believer. I give my my life to Christ. I accept his forgiveness for my sins, which were many. You know my story. Quite a mess. And I realize I need to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt me. And the first person I wrote a letter to was my father. And I wrote him apologizing to him for holding his brokenness against him. Expecting him to be something maybe he couldn't be. And just simply forgiving him. And I never heard from him. A couple years later, I get a call from my brother that my father has brain cancer and his kidneys are failing and that he's very close to death. And he says, you want to go see your father? No. But wisdom prevailed and I did. Get on a flight to Chicago. I didn't even know he lived in Chicago. And we arrive in Chicago, we go to the hospital And there he is laying on the bed, and his wife is next to him, and I had no clue what to do. What do you do in that situation, having not, you don't know your father? And so, thank goodness, she broke the silence, and she said, there is your daughter, Inez. Why don't you greet her, give her a hug? And so he opened his arms to me, and I came to the bed, and he hugged me. You know, Donna, me at the prior service, that that was the one and only hug I got from my father. And so he hugged me, and when we finished hugging, I, I went to pull off, and he stopped me. He put his hands, he cupped them around my face, and he held me there, and he studied my face. He, he looked at my features, he looked at my hair, he looked at my eyes, he just studied me. I'm telling you, it, last, it felt like it lasted for an eternity, but it probably was just a few seconds. And in that moment, for the first time, I felt seen by my father. I felt like I was invisible before them, that somehow I was disposable, that I was a burden or something. But that moment, I felt seen. And I felt so close to him. I mean, I could, 
I could sense his breath. And we're looking at each other for a few minutes, and I felt loved by my father. Truly loved by my father. And it did not erase some of the other things in my life, the voids and the, that my father left in my life. But that moment, that moment was the moment where my father revealed to me the love of God. In that moment, my father gave me a glimpse of the almighty God and his love for me. And, and my dad could not heal my heart. Only God could heal my heart. But in that moment, I felt healing and I felt a wholeness I had never felt before. You know, I preach here at the chapel and we do weddings all the time. I've been to many weddings and when the father walks the bride down the aisle, that's always the moment I cry. It's not because the bride is beautiful, and she is. It's not because it's that moment of, oh, you know, and it is. It's always because I think I never experienced that. But I love that fathers do that. I was having dinner this week with a couple, few couples, and this dad was talking about how he has a very strong wife and very strong daughters, and he has lunches with his daughters, trips with his daughters, phone calls with his daughters, because he wants to encourage them to be strong women, and he wants to teach them how to be strong women in their marriage and still honor their husbands. And he pours into their daughters' lives, and I thought, wow, that never happened to me, but I love that you do that. I look at my son and my, our sons-in-laws and how they love their children and they pour into their children, and I love that they do that. You see, even if you had a bad relationship with your father, even if your father was gone like mine was gone, even if you didn't have the moment I had with your father, we can and should celebrate fathers. Because all that fathers bring, yes, let's clap for that. You dads, you may not even know the things you do to encourage your children. I don't even think though my dad understood what he did for me. You may not know that moment that you take to try to reflect the Heavenly Father the best you can, but that will be a major gift to your children. And so I just want to encourage you today, be all that you can be to your children. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the sacrifice you make. I've heard that said today. Thank you for the joy you bring, the adventures, for the nurture, for the, for the provision. Thank you for all that you do. And if you've made mistakes, know that God is a merciful, graceful God. You don't have to be perfect. Don't beat yourself up. And we as your children commit to not doing that to you and just thanking you. On your outline, you will see that I gave you some ideas today in case you would struggle. I gave you a list of things you can do today to honor your father. The first thing is we can say thank you. First Thessalonians tells us that we ought to be grateful in all circumstances. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. In every opportunity and way that you can, give thanks. And I give you a list of passages for different ways in which you can thank your Father for reflecting the Heavenly Father. And if you struggle with your Father, do what you can to forgive. Colossians tells us that 
We have been forgiven, and therefore we can extend forgiveness. Is it easy? Of course not. But it's even good for us to extend forgiveness to our Father. And so wherever you can, forgive. Affirm where they reflect God. And affirm anything that your Father does good. I gave you scriptures for that. So if you're writing a Father's Day card today, maybe you can quote in scripture and say, thank you, Dad, for reflecting the Heavenly Father. Because usually that's not what fathers hear. Fathers usually hear, you're this, you're that, you're not, you're this, right? Today we're going to say, thank you, Father, for reflecting the Heavenly Father. Now, if you're a father, grandfather, if you're a father figure to someone, would you stand so that we can affirm you this morning? Please stand. Don't, don't sit. The rest of us, would you reach out a hand to these fathers, father figures, and let's pray for them. Father, look. Look at your creation. These wonderful men, you have given the ministry of fatherhood. They are wonderfully flawed men. They have, they have their own issues. They have their own fallenness. And yet, Lord, you choose to forgive and use them for your purposes. Through these fathers and their faithfulness and their eagerness to please you, God, you reveal yourself to others. So, Father, would you encourage them today? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them rest? Would you give them a sense of well-being, God? Would you give them peace, Lord, that you are working through them? Would you help their children affirm them, Lord, today? That this may be a powerful day that they are strengthened. The world needs these fathers. So, Father, would you help them be all that you have created them to be? We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.